Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today we are going to be getting into part two of Who is My Neighbor? And before we get started, let's say a word of prayer. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you have given to us. We ask that you continue to lead and guide and direct us in our life wherever it may lead. Lord, help us to be loving one to another, no matter who it is in the world. Help us to love our enemies, Lord. That is the most difficult thing that we can do is learning how to forgive those who have done us wrong. But we ask that you continue to show us the way and to help us to be more like you and less like ourselves. We ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. Okay, so last week we were talking about the parable, Who is My Neighbor? And we left off with part one, and now we are going to be continuing on with this discussion. But before we get back into what we were reading, I want to quote some more Bible verses. John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And he had great love because he laid down his life for us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see here that one of the greatest commandments is to love God and to love others as God loves us. And it sometimes is a hard thing to do, especially when people treat us wrong. It's like, how do I love this person that I don't know, that I have no connections with? It's sometimes even hard to love our own family members because of things that they have done to us. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And First John four eleven says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I encourage you to read actually first John four, seven through twenty one. That whole section there is wonderful. And there's so many more verses. I mean first Corinthians thirteen is a whole chapter about love, but first Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Love is the greatest thing. We cannot do anything without love. We cannot obey God without love. We cannot change who we are without God's love for us, without loving God in return. Everything is interconnected, so we cannot do one without the other. And of course, first John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 17.17 17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So again and again we are told that love is so important, that we need to love the Lord, that we need to have love one for another. So with that, I want to start and continue where we left off in the spirit of prophecy in Christ's object lessons in the chapter called, Who is Thy Neighbor? So with that, let's get right in. 
divine truth events little influence upon the world when it should exert much influence through our practice the mere profession of religion abounds but it has little weight we may claim to be followers of christ we may claim to believe every truth in the word of god but this will do our neighbor no good unless our belief is carried into our daily life our profession may be as high as heaven, but it will save neither ourselves nor our fellow man unless we are Christians. A right example will do more to benefit the world than all our profession. This is a really powerful quote that we need to think about. What example are we setting for others? What kind of life are we living? Are we being kind, loving? Are we, you know, being demanding and rude? Are we trying to hit the Bible over the head? That's not going to win any souls. We need to be Christians by our actions, by how we speak and act and dress. And people will know that we are different and they will recognize that. And sometimes they'll talk to you because of that. It's happened to us many times because of how we are dressed or act. They'll ask us, what religion are you? I can tell that you're a Christian because of how you are dressed and acting and it gives us an opportunity to witness. So it's really a wonderful opportunity to be a good witness for the Lord. She continues, by no selfish practices can the cause of Christ be served. His cause is the cause of the oppressed and the poor. In the hearts of his professed followers, there is need of the tender sympathy of Christ, a deeper love for those whom he has so valued as to give his own life for their salvation. These souls are precious infinitely more precious than any other offering we can bring to God to bend every energy towards some apparently great work while we neglect the needy or turn the stranger from his right is not a service that will meet his approval the sanctification of the soul by the working of the Holy Spirit is the implanting of Christ's nature in humanity gospel religion is Christ in the life a living active principle it is the grace of Christ revealed in character and wrought out in good works. The principle of the gospel cannot be disconnected from any department of practical life. Every line of Christ experience and labor is to be a representation of the life of Christ. Love is the basis of godliness. Whatever the profession, no man has pure love to God unless he has unselfish love for his brother. But we can never come into possession of the Spirit by trying to love others. What is needed is the love of Christ in the heart. When self is merged in Christ, love springs forth spontaneously. The completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within. When the sunshine of heaven fills the heart and is revealed in the countenance. We cannot do this alone. It is impossible. We must have Christ working with us in order to love others and those around us, even our enemies and those who are evil, to love them as Christ loved them. So it is really important that we have this relationship with Christ, that we ask him to be a part of our lives so that he can put his spirit in us so that we can have these same actions toward our fellow man because that love is hard for us to even understand or grasp. We have a hard enough time sometimes showing love to those that we know and care about. 
Now that's a lot easier to come by than loving a total stranger and people who are a bit different than us and who have kind of weird or quirky natures sometimes. It just depends on the people that we see and we have judgments based on their appearance. So it's harder to love those types of people sometimes depending on who you are. But we are commissioned to love everyone as Christ loves and that can be a difficult thing but we do not have to do it alone if we are doing it by ourselves we will never be able to love our neighbor as ourselves we must ask the lord to fill his love in us so that way we have love for others and it's a beautiful wonderful thing and it says this it is not possible for the heart in which christ abides to be destitute of love if we love god because he first loved us we shall love all for whom christ died we cannot come in touch with divinity without coming in touch with humanity for in him who sits upon the throne of the universe divinity and humanity are combined connected with christ we are connected with our fellow men by the golden links of the chain of love then the pity and compassion of christ will be manifest in our life we shall not wait to have the needy and unfortunate brought to us we shall not need to be entreated to feel for the woes of others it will be as natural for us to minister to the needy and suffering as it was for christ to go about doing good wherever there is an impulse of love and sympathy wherever the heart reaches out to bless and uplift others there is revealed the working of god's holy spirit in the depths of heathenism men who have had no knowledge of the written law of god who have never seen heard the name of christ have been kind to his servants protecting them at the risks of their own lives their acts show the working of a divine power the Holy Spirit has implanted the grace of Christ in the heart of the savage, quickening his sympathies contrary to his nature, contrary to his education. The light which lighteneth every man that cometh into the world, John 1, 9, is shining in his soul, and this light, if heeded, will guide his feet to the kingdom of God. That is a beautiful thing. All we need to do is listen because God is waiting to work with us. He wants to work with us he wants to let his light shine through us he wants everybody to know that he loves them that this love is possible that we can live in a world filled with this love and this happiness she says the glory of heaven is in lifting up the fallen comforting the distressed and wherever christ abides in human hearts he will be revealed in the same way wherever it acts the religion of christ will bless Wherever it works, there is brightness. So this brightness fills us from within and shines forth out onto others. And they too get cheered and brightened because of it. And then they go and brighten other people's lives because of it. So we are all affecting one another no matter how we act, speak, talk. She says, No distinction on account of nationality, race, or caste is recognized by God. He is the maker of all mankind. All men are of one family by creation, and all are one through redemption. Christ came to demolish every wall of partition, to throw 
open every compartment of the temple that every soul may have free access to God. His love is so broad, so deep, so full that it penetrates everywhere. It lifts out of Satan's circle the poor souls who have been deluded by his deceptions. It places them within reach of the throne of God, the throne encircled by the rainbow of promise. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. All are brought nigh by his precious blood. Galatians 3.28 and Ephesians 2.13. That is so beautiful. I mean, this love is so deep and so abounding that we cannot even fathom it. It is so much deeper than the ocean. It is so much higher than any mountain and so much broader than the outer space that we can't even begin to describe it. It will take us all of eternity and then some to learn how deep and abiding God's love is for us. And that is a wonderful thing. He loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice himself for us to save us from our sins when he hates and despises sin. And he teaches us through this principle that not only is it possible that he could do it in a human form, but that he then gave us the power to do it for others as well. And that if we were to just trust him and obey him and go to him with everything, that he will be able to give us this love for us others and to be like him in our characteristics and how we act, speak, talk. It won't be a drudgery. It won't be rules that we have to follow. It will be something that we long to do because we want to make him happy. We want to be with him forever. And that is how we should view it. And that it should be our mindset. Not that, oh, it's a list of do's and don'ts. I can't stand being told what to do. No, it's for our own good, our own benefit. Everything he has told us, everything he teaches us and wants us to do is to better us, to make us into a more loving human being, the best that we can be. And that is a wonderful world that we can live in where nobody is hating one another or speaking evil or we don't have to worry about being better than one another or what that person is going to think or say about us. No, it'll be a world of love where people genuinely care about us and will speak loving and kind to us. She continues, whatever the difference in religious belief, a call from suffering humanity must be heard and answered. Where bitterness of feeling exists because of difference in religion, much good will may be done by personal service. Loving ministry will break down prejudice and win souls to God. We should anticipate the sorrows, the difficulties, the troubles of others. We should enter into the joys and cares of both high and low, rich and poor. Freely ye have received, Christ said, freely give, Matthew 10, 8. All around us are poor, tired souls that are that need sympathizing words and helpful deeds. There are widows who need sympathy and assistance. There are orphans whom Christ has bidden his followers receive as a trust from God. Too often these are passed by with neglect. They may be ragged, uncouth, and seemingly in every way unattractive. Yet they are God's property. They have been bought with a price, and they are precious in his sight as 
we are. They are members of God's great household, and Christians, as his stewards, are responsible for them. Their souls, he says, will I require at thine hand, and that is a big responsibility. We have to do our part. God is calling us to look out for those who are in trouble, who need a helping hand, and when we see and have and have the ability to help others, we should take it because we have been blessed by God. And when we bless others, it is a blessing for us too. We get joy and a satisfaction from helping others because God gave us this yearning inside of us. When we give our hearts to him, he gives this yearning to help others inside of us. It's a calling to help and to love and to share what we know with the world so that they can feel the peace that we feel, to feel the love that we feel. And it is a great and wonderful thing to be able to share and to help others. She says, sin is the greatest of all evils and it is ours to pity and help the sinner, but not all can be reached in the same way. There are many who hide their soul hunger. These would be greatly helped by a tender word or a kind remembrance. There are others who are in the greatest need, yet they know it not. They do not realize the terrible destitution of the soul. Multitudes are so sunken in sin that they have lost the sense of eternal realities, lost the similitude of God, and they hardly know whether they have souls to be saved or not. They have neither faith in God nor confidence in man. Many of these can be reached only through acts of disinterested kindness. Their physical wants must first be cared for. They must be fed, cleansed, and decently clothed. As they see the evidence of your unselfish love, it will be easier for them to believe in the love of Christ. There are many who err and who feel their shame and their folly. They look upon their mistakes and errors until they are driven almost to desperation. These souls we are not to neglect. When one has to swim against the stream, there is all the force of the current driving him back. Let a helping hand then be held out to him, as was the elder brother's hand to the sinking Peter. Speak to him hopeful words, words that will establish confidence and awaken love. We need to be so careful how we speak and act toward others. We need to show them Christ's love. We need to do it by word, by deed, by whatever means necessary that we can. We have a calling to do this for whoever we meet and come across with, whether it's something as simple as a smile and a kind word or something big as in giving them or helping them in whatever way we can, whether it's food or money or clothes or helping and devoting our time with charity work or whatever it is that the Lord calls you to do. You can be a missionary at home. You don't need to be going abroad unless the course you feel the Lord's calling you to go abroad, but we must first conquer ourselves here at home and be a good witness here before we go out and try to be a witness to other places because we have to be sure that we are right with Christ before we try and go out there because we have an adversary who is trying very hard to work against us and he can be overcome when we work together with Christ and that is the main thing that we have to think about and remember that we have to work together with Christ because the times that we are living in are scary times. There is so much affliction. There is so much natural disaster. There is so much suffering 
suffering going on in the world, there is so much unbelief that sometimes it's like beating your head against the door. But we must not give up. We must just do what we can, working and praying and asking the Lord to be with us. And we need to have this love for others. We need to show this kindness to one another because everyone is our neighbor and everyone is our brother and sister in the Lord, waiting, longing, hoping that somebody might reach them. And we may not necessarily be the ones that bring them to Christ. Sometimes we're the one that plants the seed. Others have to water it and others have to help it along the way. And there's a Bible verse about it that one may plant, one may water, and the other may do the harvesting. So we all have to work together to help one another. This is all that we can do. And the Lord is waiting to help us to pull us out when we are feeling all alone, when we feel like there's no hope or when we are feeling lost ourselves. God is there with us waiting to help us and to lend a helping hand. We just need to not take our eyes off the Lord and we need to keep our hand in his. She says this, thy brother sick in spirit needs thee as thou thyself has needed a brother's love. He needs the experience of one who has been as weak as he, one who can sympathize with him and help him. The knowledge of our own weakness should help us to help others in his bitter need. Never should we pass by one suffering soul without seeking to impart to him the comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. You never know the experiences that you have could be the means by which somebody else is saved. So keep that in mind. Never think that you won't be able to help somebody based on your experiences. You just never know. Your testimony, your things that you go through in your personal life will be able to help somebody else in their personal life. So never discount it. She says, it is fellowship with Christ, personal contact with a living Savior that enables the mind and heart and soul to triumph over the lower nature. Tell the wanderer of an almighty hand that will hold him up, of an infinite humanity in Christ that pities him. It is not enough for him to believe in law and force, things that have no pity, and never hear the cry for help. He needs to clasp a hand that is warm, to trust in a heart full of tenderness, keep his mind stayed upon the thought of a divine presence ever beside him, ever looking upon him with pitying love. Bid him think of a father's heart that ever grieves over sin, of a father's hand stretched out still, of a father's voice saying, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace. Isaiah 27 5. As you engage in this work, you have companions unseen by human eyes. Angels of heaven were beside the Samaritan who cared for the wounded stranger. Angels from the heavenly court stand by all who do God's service in ministering to their fellow men. And you have the cooperation of Christ himself. He is the restorer. And as you work under his supervision, you will see great results which is such an encouragement to know that we are not alone, that we don't have to ever be alone, that angels are helping us, wanting to help us, standing right there.
there waiting to partake in our mission for helping souls. And furthermore, we have Christ by our side cooperating with us. This is an amazing thing. The God of the universe helping us with our task, with us who are sinners in need of his wonderful saving grace. Yet he is willing to work together with us to bring about the salvation of other souls because he wants to work with them too. It's just an amazing, wonderful thing to think about and to know. And it just fills you with such amazing love for the God that we serve. He is so awesome. So she says this, upon your faithfulness in this work, not only the well-being of others, but your own eternal destiny depends. Christ is seeking to uplift all who will be lifted to companionship with himself, that we may be one with him as he is one with the Father. He permits us to come in contact with suffering and calamity in order to call us out of our selfishness. He seeks to develop an us the attributes of his character, compassion, tenderness, and love. By accepting this work of ministry, we place ourselves in his school to be fitted for the courts of God. By rejecting it, we reject his instruction and choose eternal separation from his presence, which would be a very sad thing indeed. We sometimes have to go through these hard, difficult times, but these times that are given to us only help to strengthen our character. We just have to to go to the Lord no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through, because every single one of us fall on hard times at one time or another. So we all have had experiences and will continue having experiences. And through those experiences, one of two things can happen. We can either learn from it and grow and become a better person because of it, or we can have the opposite effect and it will change us to be something that is not good and that is working for the adversary instead of for Christ. I much rather have my character be changed for the good than for evil and I hope you want that same thing. She says this, if thou will keep my charge, the Lord declares, I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by, even among the angels that surround his throne, Zechariah 3.7. By cooperating with heavenly beings in their work on earth, we are preparing for their companionship in heaven. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14 Angels in heaven will welcome those who on earth have lived not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Matthew 20.28 In this blessed companionship, we shall learn to our eternal joy all that is wrapped up in the question, who is my neighbor? So this is a wonderful lesson for us to learn. Not only do we learn about God's love through this parable, but we learn about how we should love others and how we can love others and that it is not an impossible task. But when we try to do things on our own, we will struggle. We will fall way more than we would by working together with Christ. So with the question of who is my neighbor, we will find the answers to a lot of things of how we should act as human beings, how we can minister to others and how we won't be alone when we do it. And we will have eternal joy because we are ministering to others. 
And I wanted to read a couple of other quotes from a different place. This one is in RH, November 16th, 1886, paragraph 3. She says, If we have received the gift of God and have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have a work to do for others. We must imitate the long-suffering of God toward us. The Lord requires of us the same treatment toward his followers that we receive of him. We are to exercise patience, to be kind, even though they do not meet our expectations expectations in every particular. The Lord expects us to be pitiful and loving, to have sympathetic hearts. The fruits of the grace of God will be shown in our deportment to one another. We should keep always before us that while claiming to be commandment keepers, we must not be found to be commandment breakers. The last the last 6 commandments specify man's duty to man. Christ did not say, "You may tolerate your neighbor, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." This means a great deal more than professing Christians carry out in their daily life. While they claim to be doers of God's word, they fail to make sure work by earnest practice. This is solemn and we need to take this into very careful consideration. We need to exercise this kind of love with everybody and it doesn't matter how they look, it doesn't matter how they act. We just need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And by doing more, it'll become more easier to do. We will have more natural tendencies to react in that way. It becomes a habit rather than, hey, I need to do this. And we are not alone. The struggle that we are going through is because we often forget to go to the Lord and rely on him. We must go to him with prayer. And I need to remember this just as well as anybody else because we are too often reliant on ourselves instead of reliant on the one who can help us and to make us into a better version of ourselves to be like him and not like ourselves at all, actually. We have to get rid of self and replace it with Christ's characteristics instead. And one final quote I want to read is from Signs of the Times, July 7th, 1890 paragraph 2 and 3 she says the scribes and pharisees trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others they looked with contempt upon the samaritans and jesus related this parable to show them that it is the spirit of the man that makes him of value with god and not his nation or profession the priest and levi had passed by the man who was in need of their help and had left him to die by the wayside but the samaritan had had compassion upon upon him and had acted the part of a Christian neighbor to him. It would not have been best to present this lesson to the haughty priest except in a parable. Yet in this parable, Jesus made it evident that they had only a religion of ceremonies. They rested in outward observances of the law, but did not keep it in the heart. The scriptures declare that by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In the gospel of the great standard of righteousness is not presented in a dimmer light that in the Old Testament. Christ declared that not one jot or tittle of the law should be pass until heaven and earth should pass. The divine teacher held up the perfect standard of righteousness as the only thing by which to test human character. The law reveals to men the deformity of the heart, and the gospel enforces the law by presenting Christ in 
contrast to men. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus gave a picture of himself and his mission. Man had been deceived, bruised, robbed, and ruined by Satan and left to perish. But Christ had compassion on our helpless condition. He left his glory to come to our rescue. He found us ready to die and he undertook our case. He healed our wounds. He opened to us a refuge of safety, made complete provision for our needs at his own charges. He died to redeem us. We are to look to Christ's life. We are to see his spirit and work that we may view our life and work in the light reflected from the life of Christ. We may see how far short we come of keeping the commandments of God, how far short we come of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And that is something we really need to work on. We really need to be sure that we are not falling short of loving our neighbors as ourselves. We need to work so that we have Christ's character with us. I mean, look at all that he has done for us. Like she said, he rescued us from certain death when we had no hope. He gave us that hope. He said that he would not leave us comfortless. He told us that he is preparing a better place for us. And he went through all of this suffering for us to be ruined and rejected and beaten so that we might be saved. It is a wonderful and amazing love that Christ has for us. And we are should be honored that he went through all of this so that we could be changed and that we might be able to have everlasting life with him in glory. That is uh, something that still blows my mind that he has this kind of love for us and Satan was hoping that he would leave us in our our wickedness and our ruin and to be eternally lost but and God does not work like Satan and God does not work like us God's thoughts are not our thoughts and he thankfully <laughs> chose to humiliate himself in this manner and to save us from the wickedness of Satan. And with his help and with him working with us and through us and with us working together with him, we can be changed and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. So with that being said, when you go out and about and see all of those around you, no matter who they are and how they look, remember that that person is your neighbor, is your brother and sister waiting to hear the gospel of Christ. And it is our job to share that no matter how we do it. And we can learn day by day, moment by moment, and we will learn. Sometimes it'll be the hard way, but we will learn that God is working through us and trying to help us and to better us. And sometimes that means suffering. But I will be praying for all of you and I hope that you will be praying for me too as none of us are perfect. We all have a long way to go to gain a better way of doing things, a better walk with Christ. So with that, I want to sing at the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day was it for crimes that i have 
have done he groaned upon the tree amazing pity grace unknown and love beyond degree at the cross at the cross where i first saw the lie and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day thus might i hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day but drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love i owe here lord i give myself away tis all that i can do at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day and it is such a great love that we have. And the cross definitely shows that picture of love that Christ had for us, that he was willing to lay down his life for us, and that we should have that love for others, that we are willing to tell them of their error, tell them of what is to come, and tell them, most importantly, that God loves them and that he died for them, wants them to be saved and be with him for all of eternity. So remember what it says in Matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.